When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm -mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois. Well, with the bye week in the rearview mirror, Michigan gets ready to take on Purdue, and we're going to be joined by one of the dynamic duo in the backfield, Donovan Edwards, in just a few moments on In the Trenches. Welcome to the official podcast of Michigan football, In the Trenches with John Jansen, presented by Meyer, presenting sponsor of the 2023 Michigan football season and proud supporter of hundreds of local sports teams across the Midwest. The former two-time captain and national champion covers the Wolverines better than anyone. All we've done since January is just worry about today. You know, we're not worried about those previous games or the college football playoffs because it's always it's going to come. You know, you're only you only got you got to look forward to what's going to come. And as as of right now, it's this week and it's today. This is In the Trenches, presented by Meyer. Once again, here's John Jansen. Welcome back, friends. And we just want to give you an update of what's going on and what you can find on MGO Blue Podcast already out. The, the radio replays of Inside Michigan Football and Inside Michigan Hockey. Those are available. And for the Inside Michigan Football, my guests this week, as always, Jim Harbaugh. My assistant coach was Jay Harbaugh and safety Rod Moore. Already out as well, Defend the Block, recapping the Women's Basketball Media Day. Still to come, yes, basketball is back. The radio replay of the first episode of Inside Michigan Basketball. That's coming out. Also a post-game edition of Defend the Block with uh, the, the basketball season, as we mentioned, is underway Friday night. The basketball team will take on Northwood. So you have the post-game edition there. Thursday, Conquering Heroes, featuring Hall of Honor inductees Ryan Bertine and his wife, April Franzoni Bertine. Uh, Friday, the In the Trenches edition will be back with keys to the game. And then Sunday morning, we will have the recap of the game 
uh, against Purdue. And the challenge is out there for Mr. Brian Bush to get that out before 12 a.m. I don't know if that's possible, but I'll throw that impossible challenge out there. I'm not going to do it. It's not going to happen. Uh, you <laughs> well, just was, There was a week we had a night game where you said it. you, you yeah. guaranteed it would be out. Yeah, and it was. It was, I'm pretty sure. Maybe. What's the I'm difference not- to this one? Home game dealing with Tony Butler, um, our engineer. Yeah, I mean, yeah. uh, there you go. I here your your discussion of MGO Blue podcast was a minute long. That's why it's probably not going to be up by Sunday. I might be doing something else. This is the best time of the year, man. Everything's going on, and I'll say this. I know you don't like the bye week, but it was a good time to have it because now November stretch run on the podcast with Michigan football, it's all right there. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, great time to have a bye week. A lot of things to talk about other than football. Yes. Um, I want to get back to real live football. I know. Well, let's get into it with our seven from 77 and let's put this all out there right now, right? We have to kind of thread a needle here. There are aspects of these reported allegations, a lot of the the conversation around Michigan football that we can't get into, but we also don't want to be disingenuous and just start talking, hey, ain't no, everything's great. That's not necessarily the case. Uh, I've listened to your show on 97.1 where you have the ability to get a little bit more detailed on it. And as we get to number one on our seven from 77, one thing you've talked about a lot is that what is alleged, and again, these are allegations at this point, very early stages of investigation, NCA involved, all that stuff. But you've said this isn't a huge competitive advantage. Can you expound upon that here and, and detail how you've seen signed communication evolve since your time playing to now? Uh, well, okay, so... When I say it's a minimal advantage, and we've had other, I've had former teammates, teammates in the NFL, Deion Sanders, come out and say it's different in baseball than it is in in football. If you know a fastball's coming, if you know a a curveball's coming, you know, thank you very much. Now I can do something with it. In this game, in football, even if you know what's coming, you either have to defeat it or you have to stop it. And there's been times that I've talked about this, and I talked about it in the uh, the Mountaintop book uh, on that 97 season where we would get to the line of scrimmage. By the way, you can get your book uh, at Amazon or wherever you uh, want to get you, download your book. Um, but you, I, I've, I've talked about going out there and telling an opponent what the play was, what the snap count was, and I had the confidence that even if they knew what was coming, they could not stop it. And... It's this is a very physical game, even if you know what's coming. And if you know what's coming, yes, there is a minimal advantage. Doesn't mean that you can stop it. Um, and it can also be used. We've heard reports of, of other programs, um, you know, knowing that there are, you know, signs that are being uh, picked off even in game. And that's been going on for generations uh, in game. And that's all legal that they're using that against the opponent and making changes. That's where you've got to be alert and and you can use it to your advantage if you believe a team is, you know, does have your signs. So, you know, there's positives and negatives on both sides. Uh, now it goes to, you know, and, and again, the investigation is ongoing. We got to find out how, what, where, when, all of those different questions will, will come out. 
Number two on our seven from 77, the only comment that Jim Harbaugh has really made or, or can make on this matter was out on October 19th. He said, quote, I do not have any knowledge or information regarding the University of Michigan football program illegally stealing signals, nor have I directed any staff member or others to participate in an off-campus scouting assignment. I have no awareness of anyone on our staff having done that or having directed that action, end quote. It's part of a longer statement. He had his press conference on Monday, and, and there were questions asked and for the most part he either directed people to that statement or just tried to work around the big thing he said was a one-track mind uh my question is when you think about the totality of these staffs now certainly i mean how much bigger is a staff now versus 1997 that national championship team i mean it Seems yeah, you like had your dozens. 10 assistant coaches or yeah. you had your you know one head coach, nine assistant coaches. I don't remember what the number was, but now you have a number of analysts. You have a yeah. number of different positions and staffs keep ballooning. So my question along those lines is how has that affected a coach's ability to, yes, there's overseeing that any head coach has to do in a football program. But the more people you have to oversee, the tougher it can be. It's just how have you seen that evolve and, and what challenges does that present well it, it, it really comes down to one the, the the head coach being aware and eyes open ears open uh, you hear something and and you've got to you've got to address it um and and head coaches do and, and jim harbaugh has um but it also has increased the you know the the hr side of this where you've got to be able to have these meetings where all of the different rules compliance uh whether it's rules regarding you know this situation rules regarding recruiting who can recruit who can't recruit who can be on the practice field how many times you can be on the practice field all of those different things you've got to rely on the education of your staff and it it is an ongoing process and you know I'd be mean, just like anybody in in any other job when you have you know HR meetings or you know compliance meetings or educational meetings where you've got to know everything that's going on that's where a head coach can say okay we covered this and I thought you know I thought everybody understood this um, and those are those are the type of things that a head coach has to make sure is is going on and obviously being here at Michigan um, you know we all complain about HR meetings but we all go through them and we are all expected to understand the information that is that is presented in those meetings. So yes, the head coach has some responsibility, but he also has the responsibility of making sure those meetings are going on. And, you know, this, it's an ever evolving process. And I could tell you that there are a number of meetings, whether you like to be in them or not, you're in them. And, and whether it's recruiting or it's NCAA rules, it's new rules that are presented, it's new rules during a game that are presented. There's a lot of different changes every single year. You got to make sure that you're up to date on them. All right, number three on our seven from 77. I'm sure considering the bye week, the fact that you know Michigan did not have a game for the first time since the end of August on a Saturday, uh, it was probably difficult for every player to stay away from every report, all the commentary uh, around this. Uh, certainly the story is far from over, the investigation, the allegations, but I mean, the reality is the immediacy, the urgency of this season is right here. It's November, four regular season games to go. What must players do to continue what has been on the field an undefeated season? 
Um, they've got to just got to remain focused. And that's one thing that, you know, when you talk about the different identities of teams, that's been the identity of this program for a number of years now where they're able to compartmentalize. Hey, when we're in football mode and we're in meetings, we're solely focused on the coach or whoever is, is driving that meeting. When we're out at practice, we're solely focused on what we're trying to accomplish at practice. And these are college kids. And, you know, there's going to be distractions, a a lot more distractions other than, you know, the NCAA asking some questions. Yes, those can be disconcerting and they can be upsetting, but these kids are still college kids. There are other things going on on campus. They've got tests, they've got exams, there's, there's parties, there's other distractions going on that, you know, all all play a part of what's going on throughout the course of a college football season. And this team has done a terrific job for a number of years of being focused. And Ronnie Bell was the first one I remember saying this. But, hey, be where your feet are. And we've heard a number of other guys repeat those words. And when you're away from football, then be away from football. Get out. In in the bye week, I joked earlier that, you know, for you and I, who can't necessarily unplug, the bye week's not great because we're still listening. We're still watching we're still hearing everything that goes on but without a game you are and and a lot of these kids that I've talked to have have unplugged they got away for a day or two Jim Harbaugh talked about it during the press conference he actually gave them an extra day um, that that was unplanned and these kids today have to deal with a lot more than you or I ever had to deal with as college students, that I ever had to deal with throughout the entirety of my playing career, including the NFL. We didn't have social media. We didn't have news that traveled around the world in a nanosecond. And they also have the ability to flip things off. It's not easy, but they do They do understand that there are times where they've got to flip things off. And a lot of these kids were able to get away and, and disconnect and unplug for uh, a couple of days. And I think that was huge. Yeah, I think it was well-timed. Uh, all right, before we continue our 7 from 77, John, a word from Meyer, the presenting sponsor of In the Trenches, the 2023 Michigan football season, and hundreds of teams across the Midwest. You're right, Brian. And with your help, Meyer can provide meals to our hungry neighbors through Simply Give. With just $10, you can provide meals to local Local pantries serving families in need. Look for Simply Give donation cards at checkouts or online. Together, we can provide a helping for those in need. Join us in our mission to help feed our hungry neighbors. Because whenever you shop Meyer, you help people in your community to work, to play, to live, and to learn. Learn more at MeyerCommunity.com. Meyer is a proud supporter and fan of the 2023 Michigan football season. All right, number four on our seven from 77. And a note, we are recording this before the inaugural 2023 college football playoff rankings come out. And it's kind of similar to last year where it really doesn't matter a whole lot for Michigan because of the the way that their schedule was aligned each of the last couple of years because of the the relative lack of strength of the non-conference slate. Michigan, if they win out, they will be in the playoff. They will be highly seeded and they will be able to try to go back and, and win a playoff game and hopefully two. And if they lose a game, they are going to be really sweating, if not completely out of the conversation. But I do want to get to as much of the early stages of this as a 
about what's going on outside the program or the reports outside the program. From a football standpoint, what do you hope this team accomplished? You alluded to getting away a little bit, right? But but also this is an opportunity to handle some football aspects, to get healthy, to maybe do some future scouting of some teams coming up here in November. How did you try to handle bye weeks and what do you hope this group did? Well, I mean, for me, it was I got a chance to watch just about every Penn State game, every Ohio State game that was played so far this year. Um, I have watched Purdue, um, I, and just I mean, that's that's the player in me where you know everybody looks at Purdue and says, yeah, new coach, new quarterback, a lot of transfers, and they're they're not having a great season. Plus, they're in the Big Ten West. Um, it, it should be one that they'd roll. I still want to be able to watch film and and maintain a base of knowledge of what to expect against Purdue um, and Maryland. That's not an easy game. That's a game where you're going to go on the road, and Maryland has a, lo- a number of skilled players. They're able to throw the ball around. They've got a veteran quarterback. Um, and at any point, one of the things that Maryland has – is self-inflicted wounds. The reason that they have their, their record's not better than it is. They have the talent, but it's the self-inflicted wounds. Now all you need is one game for them to put it together where they don't turn the ball over. They don't have a dumb penalty. They don't do something to shoot themselves in the foot, and they can be right there. They were there for half of the game against Ohio State. They could do that same thing against Michigan. And so when I look at the, the remaining four games, there's no easy outs. But there are there are teams like a Penn State who I've had a chance to look and I say, you know what, they are talented, but they are what we've said. They're young, they're inexperienced, they've started slow, they don't have, I think, offensively a really good rhythm right now. It doesn't mean they can't find it in the next couple of weeks, but they're just not what I thought they would be. They've had some injuries on defense in Ohio State. Um, you know, I guess I'm just going to go ahead and give you my, uh, my, my four weeks out scouting report. Yep. Offensive line-wise, Jack Miller has talked about this, where I think that they've somewhat neglected recruiting top offensive linemen. And I don't see them as an offensive line that does – they're not bad, but they don't do anything exceptionally well. So they don't have a, a first or a second-round pick at, at offensive tackle, at least not right now. And they don't have the speed. They're trying to pull some guys. They don't have the speed necessarily to, to pull and block some of the counterplays that they're trying to run. Um, but I do know this. Defensively, I think over the past three years – this is the best defense that Ohio State has. And and defense coordinator Knowles, I think, has done a terrific job of, of taking some new concepts, um, interjecting those into what he does as a defensive coordinator to, you know, for Michigan, it was a lot for the longest time, it was how do you beat Ohio State? Now, for the last couple of years, they're forced with how do you beat Michigan? And they're trying to adjust their personnel and their style defensively to beat Michigan. Great segue into number five on our seven from 77 as we talk all things Big Ten over the Michigan bye week. And really, I was curious how Ohio State would handle that environment night game at Wisconsin. The Badgers are not where they've been at times here in the last 10, 12 years. And and Luke Fickle, I think, has the ability to potentially get them back to that point where they are viable, legitimate Big Ten championship contending type of Badgers teams. I just continue to be amazed by Marvin Harrison Jr. I mean, 123 yards more than any other Ohio State pass catcher combined, a couple more touchdowns. I mean, he really, you've said it since really the start of the year that, that he's 
to you the best He's college the best football player. In college player. Football. Uh, and they go to Rutgers Saturday. They will be favored. They will probably win. But this is another opportunity for Ohio State to I, I just outside of Harrison, I don't know what offensively they truly feel comfortable with. And we're in November now. Well, I mean, they did get Henderson back. Um, and he proved to be a force in that game against Wisconsin. And um, and, and the, the the positive for them getting him back is that it takes a lot of pressure off Kyle McCord. Kyle McCord seemed to be one of the better players for Wisconsin uh, because he kept giving them the ball. Um, and just imagine if uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. had a more seasoned quarterback. And I, and I say it like that because... I don't want to disrespect Kyle McCord. He is being judged against two former first-round picks, and he's just not there yet. It doesn't mean he can't get there. I think he's a very talented young individual, but there's there's the pressure of living up to the the previous quarterbacks, to living up to that standard, and he just I don't know that he's he's ready to be that guy. He's been forced to be that guy, but he hasn't been ready. And he does improve every single week. There's a lot of things that he's doing and you, you rarely see, and this is where you know that he's getting good coaching. And that's one thing that we do have to compliment Ryan day. He is a terrific quarterback coach and you don't see Kyle McCord make the same mistake very often. So he's correcting some, he's making new ones, but he's correcting them as he goes. And that's where you look and you say, if he had one more year to season, then all of a sudden, maybe at the end of the year or next year, he would be the guy that everybody expected him to be at Ohio State. And I think he'll get there. He's just not there yet. How about Penn State? I mean, that was, to me, the biggest storyline might be strong, but certainly the, the, the biggest thing I noticed was it was tied Inside of two minutes to play, the go-ahead touchdown for Penn State with a buck 46 left. There was a safety late that, that made it look a little bit better. Uh, Penn State has not been, and certainly offensively, it has been a slog for them. If Maryland was playing like they were playing in September, this road trip coming up this week would feel like it could be a real treacherous spot for the Nittany Lions, but... Maryland just lost at Northwestern. They've dropped three straight after a five and zero start. Yeah, Mike Loxley's got to get that track, that train back on the tracks, um, and I believe he will. But this Penn State team is is a team that's de- you know again they're developing. Uh, Drew Aller is is a young quarterback. He's got a lot of potential, a lot of talent. But when you look at some of the inopportune mistakes that he's made, um, and in that game against Ohio State. He just the entire time looked out of sync. You go to the Indiana game, and he looked a little bit better, uh, but he's also not playing against an Ohio State defense. He's playing against the Indiana defense, but the numbers don't jump off the page. And I think part of the reason is, you know, whether it's Catron Allen or Nicholas Singleton, both of them were freshmen last year, obviously sophomores this year. They expected more out of that running back position. Very talented individuals, but they're just not getting the production. Some of that is the holes aren't there. So when they are, they seem to be out of rhythm and they're not hitting them in the same way. But this is a team, as and I, and I warn Michigan fans, and I would warn this Michigan football team, that they can put it together in a heartbeat. They're going to be playing at home when Michigan gets there, and they're going to be comfortable. It's their environment. They're going to have all the support in the world. And it's, it's, it's a team that is very, very talented. They've got good speed. And, you know, Drew Alar 
has a big arm. Speaking of talented, the Big Ten West. <laughs> um, now, the talent is not with football. It is with drama and with unexpected turns. Because there is now a four-way tie atop the Big Ten West. And, John, what's great is there, there's a chance that that could continue because none of them play each other this coming week. But Nebraska is the surging team. They've won three in a row, not in the league, but three in a row overall for the first time in seven years. They cruised past Purdue. So Nebraska's at Michigan State. Wisconsin also three and two. They're in Bloomington. Minnesota three and two hosting Illinois. I, I guess the Illini are still... No, they're not in. No, they're out. And then Iowa gets Northwestern at Wrigley Field in a game. There was finally a game where Iowa's over-under number did climb after initial release. And why? Because it opened at 29 and a half, the lowest in the history of everything. I, it's Remember, Iowa was so close to basically... Run, sorry, Wisconsin was so close to running away with this thing, and now... We have this. Well, and, and so Iowa, you look at Iowa and you say offensively they were challenged Do I have to, to begin look at with. Iowa? You, you don't have to. Um, <laughs> but you lose your quarterback. You lose, and, and both, you know, obviously, uh, Cade McNamara, we know him very sure. well here. Uh, a quality, quality quarterback. He's down for the season. And then you lose Eric All, who the tight end position at Iowa in that offense is as important a position as you're going to find in college football as it relates to the Iowa offense. Now they're down him. And, you know, short the, the, the short story is I think Minnesota is the team that – you mentioned Nebraska surging. They're tied with Wisconsin, with tied with Iowa, tied with Minnesota. But Minnesota is the team I look at and say with their ability that they've been able to develop running the ball, they've got Illinois – Purdue, and then they finish at Ohio State. That's the game right before the game. Um, and then Wisconsin. They, they're they set up for a nice run here at the end of the season. Yeah, I, I agree. Obviously, I mean, they'll be heavy underdogs in Columbus, but Purdue struggled. Nebraska's finish is at Michigan State, home against Maryland, which doesn't look as dicey as it yep. did a, a month ago, at Wisconsin, home against Iowa. You know what? Next week, I'm just going to bring in a, a six-sided die, and we're going to roll it. <laughs> we're going to roll it. We're going to assign numbers. I'll, let, I'll yes. let you put a couple of them as two of the six numbers, and we'll figure it out. Yeah. That'll be our Big Ten West analysis, which might be. You know, people have asked me about Michigan basketball, where they're going to start or finish in the Big Ten. You could take out a couple of teams and probably just pick names out of a hat and figure it out and do a better job of the projection. Yeah, We could do that with this as well. It's It's crazy. All right. Number six, our national topics. Let's start in the SEC. Uh, Georgia, they can basically lock down the East this coming week. They took down Florida 43-20 to in Jacksonville on Saturday, and they'll host a Missouri team that's 7-1 overall, but four of those are non-conference wins. They are 3-1 and in the SEC. So Missouri can, if they went out, go to the SEC championship game. I don't think anyone expects that to happen, especially since the game is in Athens. But Georgia still hasn't been as impressive as they were for stints last year, but they're doing what they're supposed to do. When they face the East contenders there, Kentucky a few weeks back, Florida this past week, they do the job. They do, and when you look at the remainder of their schedule, you mentioned Missouri. They got Ole Miss, who's ranked 11 right now. Tennessee, who's ranked at 19. They're 
set up much like Michigan is, where the prove-it part of their schedule is in the last four to five weeks. And I truly believe, um, was it the Kentucky game, or Auburn, who kind of took them to the wire, they woke up. And since that Kentucky game where they blew them out 51 to, to 13, since then, offensively, They've been they've been dominant. They put up 37 against Vanderbilt. They put up 43 against Florida. And the defense, you know, that's that's never really been the question at, at Georgia. And two years ago, it was a historical defense. Last year, it was it was a, a really good defense. Um, and this year, it's not it's not at the same level, but it's still damn good. It is now this weekend. It's Alabama and LSU night game in Tuscaloosa. You know, the Tide, it seemed like in late September, people were ready to bury Alabama, and deservedly so. They they lost to Texas. They weren't looking very good. But here they are, 7-1 and one overall, undefeated in SEC play. Now, Ole Miss is still 4-1, and one, but they lost. Their one SEC loss was to Alabama. So, an Alabama win, and they basically salt away the West. An LSU win... And boy, does that open up a lot of intrigue! It does. Um, so, who you got? Um, I think Alabama, and this is this is simply just based on Nick Saban. Um, yeah. When you when you watch, you know, quarterback play advantage LSU with Jaden Daniels, coaching and overall and, and experience of being in in these big moments in these big games, and you, you'd say, well, LSU does too. Um, the last couple of years, not quite as much. Alabama, year in, year out, they're always that team that's right there, and they've had to battle with a loss. They've had to 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 try and you know fight through certain situations to be able to be in the conversation at the end of the year. And I just I would I would say they're bit, they're getting better quarterback play and really good leadership out of Milrow. And you know when you hear all the things that are going on off the field and the way that he is leading off the field, he's an impressive young man, and he's kind of a kid that you just you, you want to root for. Yeah, totally agree. Uh, Pac-12, boy, you want to talk about how the two teams that played that classic in the Pac-12 have since gone from there. Washington beat Oregon in Seattle, thrilling game, and since then, Washington's really struggled. They beat Stanford in front of basically nobody yep. uh 42 to 33 whereas Oregon rolls at Utah 35 to 6 so they're right there with USC fighting for that second spot in the Pac-12 USC barely survived Cal I mean right now I think Oregon's been in the last again very small sample size two weeks the best team in the Pac-12 Washington though their finish it's going to be tough at USC this week, home against Utah, at Oregon State, home against Washington State. They they got their cupcakes out of the way, and they barely won them. Yeah, uh, but I, I I believe that they're they're going to be able to be refocused. And if Michael Penix, you know, is going to be a Heisman candidate, they you know what better guy to lead you through that gauntlet of a schedule um, than a guy that's up for the Heisman and playing like a Heisman winner. Um, and, and so that's one thing. And, you know, USC, USC, you know, that game this weekend against Washington, that's going to be a big one. USC might not win another game this year. What's their finish? Do you have their they, schedule? Yeah, I do. They obviously play Washington, yep. which we talked yep. about. That's going to be a tough matchup for both teams. Uh, but I do, I believe Michael Penix goes off because USC defense is, sure. is, is, is like a there will be door. points in that. Game. There will be a lot of points in that game. And then USC is at Oregon, and then they finish up with their rivalry against UCLA. Wow. 
And, yeah. and so all three of those teams, you've got a Washington team that's ranked five, you've got an Oregon team that's ranked six, and UCLA is ranked 20. And by the time they get there, USC might not be a ranked team if they drop two um, to Washington and Oregon. That's crazy. Boy, the Pac-12 is going to do it again, aren't they? They're going to just beat each other up. They are. Oh, yes, man. Yes. Uh, and before you know it, it will be the Pac-2. Well, <laughs> that's right. Uh, also, shout out Jed Fish, former Michigan uh, assistant. Arizona was awful. I mean awful, and they have picked up. I mean, they're three and two in the league. They knock off a nationally ranked Oregon State team over the weekend. So uh, the depth in that league has been impressive. And well, the, I'm looking forward to the classic Arizona Central Florida pack, uh, Big Twelve games. Coming and up don't forget soon. the way that they played. And and Jim Harbaugh talked about. So I forget where we were on the way back from, but we watched that Arizona USC game. Yeah, and Arizona had every opportunity sure. to win that game. And so they've been playing They've been playing much better, so hats off to Jed. No doubt. Big 12, uh, it's a wide-open league right now. After Kansas stuns Oklahoma, uh, the Jayhawks win it 38-33. Heck of a drive, heck of a finish. Good atmosphere, too. I mean, you think about where that program was five yeah. years ago. Holy cow. So much for those goalposts. Yeah. <laughs> I think they're, they're still... floating in the river. They're still, they're still the moving. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but unlike the... Big Ten West, where it's a four-way tie and nobody plays this coming weekend, which is just fantastic. There's currently a five-way tie for first in the Big 12, which is just one big division. And two of the games next week in the Big 12 are those teams matching up. Kansas State coming off a 41-0 blowout of Houston. They are at Texas, who routed BYU last week. Then it's the final installment for a while of Bedlam, Oklahoma, mm-hmm. at Oklahoma State. The Sooners losing and Oklahoma State blowing out Cincinnati makes that 4-1 and versus 4-1. and And Iowa State, who was dead and buried, they lost to Iowa. They lost at Ohio. And here they are, 4-1. and They get Kansas mm-hmm. at home. They're 4-1. Kansas still has a chance at this thing now that they're 3-2. and I mean, you want to talk about a wide-open race. What are your thoughts on it in totality? Well, it's going to be interesting to see Texas and what they do with the quarterback position because I don't know if if you know Quinn Ewers is he going to be able to be back? Um, you know how long is he going to be out? That's a huge component for for them for the Longhorns. Um, you know, and you know the momentum that Kansas has coming off of that huge win going to Iowa State. It's not going to be easy for them, but they've got you know they've got the momentum, they've got the belief that they could be and should be contending for a Big 12 championship. Now it's just a matter of going out there and trying to figure out you know, who can finish the best. Now certainly if you're looking at playoff conversations, you know, if Iowa State wins the Big 12, that's good for everybody, right? Like they wouldn't get anywhere close to the playoff. To me, if Texas wins out, even with a loss, I think they're a shoe-in for the playoff just because they beat Alabama and their one loss was in – you know, basically the last play of the game against Oklahoma. I don't know if anyone else, and that includes Oklahoma, I don't know if anyone else in the Big 12 can, I can confidently say, win out and you're a playoff team. No, I think it would be Texas or it's no one. Um, And, I mean, if Georgia runs the table, if Michigan or Ohio State run the table, there's another spot. Florida State out of the ACC, which we haven't talked about yet, if they run the table, that's a third spot. If Washington is able to go through that gauntlet, that's a fourth spot. It'd be, yeah, it'd be, it'd be an interesting. It'd be an interesting one of of Florida State, undefeated Florida State, undefeated Washington, and twelve and one beating Alabama, losing at the buzzer 
to to Oklahoma. Yeah, I think it'd be an interesting one. <laughs> it'll be now. It'll be a here we are. Here we are talking about this again. Oklahoma just lost to Kansas. Like yeah. weird stuff's going to happen. We're, we're probably not going to have to worry about football. that. It's the Correct. beauty of it. And it sure is. And and that's why, again, we're recording this. It's coming out after the playoff rankings, but we're recording it before. It's why there is no reason to worry about wherever the heck Michigan is ranked. I don't think they're going to be ranked number one. I, I can confidently say that, and that's yeah. okay. It doesn't matter right now. Uh, lastly, ACC mentioned Florida State. They cruise at Wake Forest 41-16. UNC's falling apart. They lose a, another one at Georgia Tech, 46-42. So how about this? Florida State, 6-0 and in the ACC. The only one-loss teams in that conference, Louisville, which I think it's pretty safe to say now, they're the second-best team in the ACC. Yeah. And Virginia Tech, who they're 3-1 and in the ACC. Their non-conference was 1-3. They lost home to Purdue, <laughs> at Rutgers, and at Marshall. The Thundering Herd. <laughs> sure is um but it'd be very very bad for the acc if virginia tech was able to all i mean all due respect great fan base and and you know yeah. they've turned it around but their losses to florida state that's their lone conference loss florida state really needs louisville to keep going and make that be the acc championship game yeah and and honestly i i think that they will i mean louisville dominated duke and and Duke, out. Yeah. yeah, Duke is Duke is a, a a quality team, and you know save the quarterback injury. Maybe they don't have that loose that loss to uh, to Pitt. I mean, I'm talking about um, obviously right now Louisville, um, but they finish up with Virginia Tech, Virginia, Miami, and Kentucky. And I mean Louisville could run the table, uh, and and provide that opportunity for Florida State and Louisville to have that championship game. And build the resume for Florida State uh, of playing a one-loss team in the ACC championship game. Boy, yeah, Virginia Tech goes to Louisville and beats them. Holy cow! Yeah. That would that that's worst case scenario for ACC in terms of just trying to yeah. like. Whew, that'll be interesting. But All here's right. the thing about yep. it, and and you reference this. We've we've talked about it. College football going into the season, it was all about conference expansion and nothing is ever going to be the same and you know uh, and, and who knows what next year brings the college football playoffs are expanding to 12 teams next year that's going to change things the transfer portal nil all of these things have changed but the one thing that has remained the same is the unpredictability of 18 to 22 year olds on any given saturday to have to, to create an upset to create something special and unique and we've seen teams and and I know that there was this push in the SEC to to make it that you know fans couldn't rush the field there is no better scene in sports than to watch a college football fan base rush the field after a win nobody thought was possible Again, except for the poor folks at Kansas who have to fix all that and find the goalpost. Happy to do it. Yes. Happy to do it. I know. That's true. All right. Number seven. We're about to hear from Donovan Edwards. Great conversation coming up. And and John, you know, it's November's here, right? Releasing this on November 1st. Uh, The running game has not been as overwhelming as many people thought it would be and and as it was last season. And, And there are a number of factors to all of that. But if I know you the way I know you, it's November, weather gets cooler. This is running game time. Stretch runs in college football. You don't have to only run the ball, but you have to be able to run it well. How does Michigan go from, I think, 
pretty good seven out of ten, maybe six and a half out of ten running game to at nine or ten out of ten that we saw so often last year. Well, you have to have a reliable running game. It doesn't have to be the best in the country, doesn't have to be the best in the conference, but you need to have something that you can rely upon. And the thing that has added so much to this running game is the ability of J.J. McCarthy to make good decisions on the read option and his ability to pick up first downs and be a part of that running game. That going into the season, that was one of the things that I said had had to happen if this team was going to be a challenger for a national title. We've, we've seen it before where you can be a running team and win a Big Ten title, but you've got to be balanced if you're going to win a national title. Michigan is much more balanced this year. You have to have a quarterback that is... That, that, that you could talk about as the best quarterback on the field every time they step on the field. Michigan has that right now. And you think about the, the remaining games, whether it's Purdue, Michigan will have the best quarterback against Penn State. I believe Michigan will have the best quarterback against Maryland. Michigan will have the best quarterback against Ohio State. Michigan will have the best quarterback. That's the difference maker in this equation. And when you have that ability paired with what Michigan can do defensively and stopping the run, that, that to me, says this team is prepared to make a run at a national title, not just finish the business in the Big Ten because you have a quarterback that can be a part of the running game. And let's face it, Donovan Edwards, and he's going to talk about it, not the season that he thought he was going to have, but last year, when did he show up the, in the biggest moments? It was against Penn State and it was against Ohio State. And I firmly believe that when when presented those opportunities in those games, Donovan Edwards will come through. So I hope everybody gets a chance and, and enjoys the conversation that I had with Donovan Edwards. From the biggest of big games to the littlest of the little. There you go. Go. Run, James. No, 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 no. First base. Go, go, go. Whenever you shop Meyer, you help support hundreds of local sports teams across the Midwest. From some of the biggest stadiums in the state to the familiar fields down the street, you're helping make a difference to the people and places you call home. Learn more at Meyer.com slash community. Joining me now, as promised earlier, Donovan Edwards, uh, running back, do-it-all-on-offense type of guy. We've seen him throw touchdown passes. We've seen him catch touchdown passes, run for touchdowns. Donovan, thanks for joining me. And I want to know, the bye week, how how refreshing was that for you? Uh, bye week was smooth, you know. I'm going to go back to it to the introduction, you know, the one and only, man, Mr. Do-It-All, you know. Bye week was straight, though. It went, it went way faster than I wanted it to be, you know. It's just cool to be... You know, kicking it with my dog on the couch, taking my dog to training, just chilling, watching other football games. But, you know, it was, it was well needed. You know, we got uh, four more games in the regular season, and it's good for uh, us to have that bye week, you know, like at week eight going on to week nine, you know, uh, very refreshing. And then now we just, you know, just going to keep keep on chipping at where we left off. So you've never talked about the dog before. Is this this one new? Uh, yeah, I just got her uh, Sunday, right, right, right after the Michigan State game. Uh, I was very excited that whole week to get to get my dog uh, throughout that whole week. What kind of dog is it, and what's uh, what's her name? Uh, Pierre Rottweiler. Uh, her name is Zora. 
Yeah, she a little, she act like a little diva too. I try to take her on walks. She be pulling away from me. I'm like, come on, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, come on. I'll be trying to train her. Well, she's good with the training, but the leash walking, she is she is a diva <laughs> at right now. Yeah, she doesn't I, like rules. Bro, come on, bro. I'll be trying to like I take her like ten steps, you know, and I start yanking, I start yanking, like, come on. And then, you know, like she just runs, she'll try to run back to the to the apartment room. Like, bro. Little diva, you know what? It's funny to hear a running back talk about a diva. Yeah. I mean, because this is an offensive lineman who's been around quarterbacks, uh. who's been around receivers, running backs, and some of them have diva tendencies. For sure, I understand that. And so it's it's just it seems a little ironic to me that you would be calling your dogs. How did you come up with? The name Zora. Oh, uh, I got it. I got it online. You know, I was like, you know, girl, girl name for dogs, and I caught came across Zora. You know, I like, I like unique names, not plain names. I looked it up, what it meant, It meant like light and dawn, and it came from like African origins, and uh, you know, it was used for you know a couple hundred, a thousand years, and then it just like started to go away. So that's why we don't hear that name anymore, and that's kind of how I got it. You know, yeah. So you mentioned a lot of rest, a lot of time away from football um, in the bye week. Well needed, well needed. Before you took that time and you reflected back on the first eight games, mm -hmm. what was it that you saw from this offense and from yourself? Uh, started from the offices, we are clicking. We are electric. We are dynamic. Uh how I said previously, you know, like a lot of teams are respecting our run game. So, you know, you could say like it's not clicking, but – I mean, we're good, you know, like, of course, we can always be better, you know, but uh, besides that, like, you know, that makes as as JJ and the receivers are going, you know, everybody else is looking at that be like, man, like, we got to stop these guys. You know, you can't just game plan for it to stop the run. Like, you got to stop the pass, too, now. And uh, JJ's putting on film that he could run the ball. So, you know, I, I, I've been realizing, uh, like, D linemen have playing have been playing like spying the quarterback. So I mean this the offense is really dynamic. There's no one person that you got a game plan to stop. Uh for myself too, you know, it's it's not how I how I envision it to be, but it's okay because like, I'm gonna keep chipping. You know, I'm gonna keep preparing, keep getting better because like it's gonna happen eventually. The game my game is gonna come, game and games. You know, whenever I get, the, like, I always say you can't do no wrong putting the ball in number seven's hands. Can't do no wrong, man, because I'm going to make something great happen. Always. How do you handle the frustrations of, you mentioned it's not not for you personally how you wanted it to be, mm -hmm. but the team is, is still successful. When yeah. guys get in the end zone, you're the first one to celebrate with yeah. them. When you got in the end zone, mm -hmm. it was reciprocated. Right. But you mentioned it, it that, that first eight games wasn't, what you anticipated, how do you handle that pressure or where you're at right now? You know, for the first, like, four weeks of the season, I was discouraged. You know, I was like, bro, like, it's not going how I want how I want to. And then, uh, you know, I always, always, praise, always praise God, right? And then that's where, like, it really clicked for me. It's like, how am I going to, like, what am I going to look like right now? Like, am I going to be like, why is this happening? Or, you know, like, start playing the blame on, like, oh, like, coach is not doing this for me. You know, like, oh, I'm not working hard enough. I just realized, like, it's not my plan. It's God's plan because the best thing that, that could happen for me is for me to get humbled. The best thing for that, that could happen for me is to continue to support my teammates because if I'm at the, lowest, at the lowest point of how I feel, 
that that shows how much character I have. You know, celebrating with my teammates. You know, continuing asking coaches questions, continuing to put in as much work as I put in. All that all that pays off. You know, and that just I'm always going to look back at what I went through as the time of you know like things not going right for me. What did I do? And that the things that I'm doing is continuing to read the Bible, continuing to pray three times a day, continuing to you know, like be the best version of myself, continuing to continuing to continue what I am doing. And, and that's just going to keep on working out for me, uh, continuing to have faith in God because, you know, without him, like none of the things that I'm, I'm able to do is going to work because uh, all the things that I do is just it's just it's just him shining through me. And I know that. So all I'm going to do is just keep on doing what I'm doing and keep on doing what I have been doing to get myself here in this situation. Who has who has helped you to develop that concept, that philosophy, who, whether it's family coaches, like who has been, you know, important in your life to instill some of those thoughts and ideas so that when you are in a position like this, you're able to handle it. No doubt. I say, I would say growing up, it's been my dad, uh, you know, just teaching me to be a good person. Cause I was a little, bad kids you know and I realized I realized what I was missing and that was my mom you know my mother's love and that's okay you know because I'm getting that back from like uh being around you know like other great women and, and gentlemen as well but my my dad he instilled you know like just me being a good person uh my grandmother for you know showing me the ways of the Lord uh and then as well like coach Moore coach Bill coach Hart uh it's a lot of other people like Junior Colson. It's I could like the list goes on and on and on and on. A lot of people have helped me and uh, just talked to me uh, like since you know that things that I needed and things that that God has like I've looked for the answer for and God has just had it go through another person to tell and talk to me about you know. So it's it's, it's really beautiful like if you're open minded and not closed minded about like the answers that you are looking for that come through other people. So it's just, it's been a lot of a lot of people that have kind of helped me a lot helped me out a lot right now. I've always believed I believe this about myself, um, that I'm a reflection of all those people that have, have poured things into me. Yeah. It feels like you're kind of that same way. And for me, um, it was Coach Carr. Mm -hmm. Um as a guy that I felt was a great leader of our program and just meant so much to me when I watched him and his decisions. What has Coach Harbaugh meant to you? Uh, he's a great, a great friend to me. Uh, yeah, man. He he is one of a kind. He's not like any any head coach that I've necessarily have been around. You know, I've only necessarily been around Coach Bell, but you know, he's a players' coach. You know, he would laugh with you, you know, he will, he will cut it straight to you. You know, he's just a, he is what you get, you know, like whatever you see is what you're going to get from him. He is a, he is definitely a man of the people. How have you guys, because coach Harbaugh is going through something right now, yeah. we all know what's going on. Um, but how have you guys been able to handle the distractions because mm -hmm. it was a bye week yeah. and you have more time to look and hear and see all of these different things. How yeah. have you guys handled those voices? Yeah. Uh, I just say, man, we worry about what we could worry about, you know, and that's us. That's the people in this building. That's the people who contribute a lot of their time and energy and love 
to Michigan football. And that's the people in this facility. Um, all we can do is, you know, just look at each other, have each other's backs. And that's, you know, that's what the culture has been around here. That's what the, you know, Aiden Hutchinson, Josh Rosses have established for this team. And, you know, those same guys that they have, that they kind of, that that they have led, you know, my class, uh, the 2020 class, the 2019 class, uh, Mikey's class, Mike Mike B's old self, his class. Uh, that's that's what they have instilled at us, you know. And all we've been doing is just, you know, buying into everything that we're going through. And it's been a lot of distractions this year, things that people don't that don't even know, uh, you know, like that's been brought to the public. But you know, we just have each other's backs. That's what makes this team very special. Um. Obviously, there's going to be more distractions. The more games you guys win, the more talk is going to be, whether it's positive or negative. Yeah. you got four weeks left. Yeah. How important is it for you guys to be able to just focus on Purdue? For sure, man. It's the home stretch. Uh, it will be a disgrace if we you know, look forward to Penn State and Ohio State because that will mean that we're doing the other eight teams that we played a disgrace of, of playing against. It's like what you just said uh Everything that we have done has been about the, the 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 week that we have ahead. You know, when we played ECU, it was about ECU. When we played Bowling Green, it was about Bowling Green. When we played Michigan State, it was all about Michigan State. You know, like we have our goals, but it's not like we're looking forward. Uh, how long is the playoffs? But like, it's not like we're looking two to three months ahead down the road or, you know, like the people who are draft eligible. It's not like we're looking to get drafted right now. You know, we're, we are where our feet are. And as of right now, like you said, it's about playing Purdue. So, you know, we're going to game plan. We're going to work hard this week. And then the results are going to show Saturday. Purdue's going to be a night game. Noon, 3.30 or 7.30? Noon. For me? Yeah, yeah. noon. I'm a noon guy. I knew I liked yeah, it. Yeah, I'm not. Man, we, you know, we, you know Diva. Yeah. You know that. that I, you know what? <laughs> I, I, I'll take it back. That, that or The reference I tried to make earlier, I, I love a running back that says, let's wake up and go. Let's go, bro. I wake up. And I'm I'm screaming in the hallways. I'm damn near waking everybody up. Excuse my language. I'm damn near waking everybody up for the hallway, banging on their doors like, let's go. You feel me? And then, you know, the 7.30 games, it's like, bro, come on, bro. We got to wait. <laughs> what are you going to do all day, day long? Uh, same thing I always do. We're on a Coach Harbaugh and the strength and conditioning coaches. They have us on a unique, uh, a unique schedule that fits perfectly for the game. You know, wake up. I usually wake up around like seven o'clock anyway, seven, eight o'clock, get breakfast, hard start breakfast is at like like eight thirty to like ten. Then we got movement. You know, wake up, get the blood moving, and then we get like two hours to ourselves. And then, you know, come to the come to Sham, do what we gotta do. So it's like a unique schedule, but you know, you wake up, get some breakfast, uh, do movement with the staff, probably take a nap, watch a little watch some college football games for a minute. Take a 45-minute nap, wake up, it's time to go. So in full disclosure, uh, Donovan and I are talking on Monday. Tuesday night is going to be the first rankings for the, the college football playoffs. How okay. much do you guys – are you going to watch? You, are you interested in where <laughs> the committee is going to put Michigan? I don't care. <laughs> I mean, they they not playing. You know, it's us playing at the end of the day, so – I mean, whatever team, whatever team is on the schedule is who we're going to play. So who cares? It's also Halloween night. Um, is there going to be any Halloween uh, parties? Was there anything over the over the weekend? You're asking the wrong person. I haven't been out one time since being in college, man. 
Yeah, so you're not dressing person. up? You're not, you're not even considering Halloween at all? No, I don't celebrate Halloween. Not a fan. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, you mentioned it. This season, this bye week came and went fast. Man. The season, we are eight games in. It's hard to believe there's four left. Yeah. You've only known beating Ohio State, winning Big Ten championships. Uh, I mean, the goals that, that Coach yeah. Harbaugh set out. It's it's yeah. beating Michigan State, beating Ohio State, winning Big Ten championship, and going to the college football playoffs. Yeah. Winning um, the net, and and, and then obviously this year, you know, is winning the Natty. Yeah, how have you guys remained focused on those goals, knowing that Ohio State's not till the end of the year? Yeah, Big Ten championships not to the end of the year. You get a chance to chip away at it yeah. every week, and same with the college football playoffs. Yeah, I say, man, it's it's what we did last year. Like we weren't worried about it. Like I said, like it's probably like eighty seventy percent of the of the team from last year is still here. And all we've done since January is just worry about today. You know, like we're not worried about those previous games or the college football playoffs because it's always it's going to come. Mm-hmm. You know, you're only you only got you got to look forward to what's going to come. And as as of right now, it's this week and it's today. So it's like you can't win the college football playoffs uh, in like two months. You got to win it today. You know, so that's that's kind of the story of it. You know, every all we do is uh. Just all we do is just worry about today, you know, and that's what we've been instilling ourselves in January and February. Well, Donovan, I appreciate your time. I wish we had more time. We'll catch up another one. And uh, best of luck as you guys continue to prepare for Purdue. I appreciate it. One, 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 one more thing, too, while we're here, man. I appreciate you letting me use your platform. So what I got to say for all the people out there is – don't don't get discouraged when things get rough, you know. Always believe in what it is that you believe in. Everybody has something that they believe in. Do what you feel is right with that's in your heart, you know. Uh, take care of yourself. Take care of your mental health. And spread love to the people. Spread love to the people that surround you. Spread love to people that you may think that don't like you, you know, because all that's going to do is make you better for your own self. You know, always do the right thing. Always look forward to the to the brighter days. We're always going to have bad days, and that's okay. You know, in the Bible it says it rains on the just and the unjust. You know, so continue to do what it is that you do and always be a good person. That's all I got. Donovan, thank you. Appreciate you. Well, thanks to Donovan. Always a lot of energy from Donovan. Um, You really never know where it's going to go, but I love the fact that he loves his teammates. He's very well grounded. He's not worried about numbers. He's worried about wins, um, and that's exciting to know. So make sure you stay tuned in here for all your Michigan football information as we go down the home stretch, the sprint to the finish. You got four games this weekend against Purdue. That's the only thing on the minds of these Wolverines right now. It's the only thing on our mind, but we're excited about what the, the finish of this season will look like, and we hope you stay here on In the Trenches. Thanks for listening to this edition of In the Trenches with John Jansen, presented by Meyer, presenting sponsor of the 2023 Michigan football season and proud supporter of hundreds of local sports teams across the Midwest. In the Trenches is part of our Michigan Athletics Podcast Network, MGo Blue Podcasts. The preceding is a Learfield presentation of the Michigan Sports Network.